This episode is sponsored by Bombas, the sock company with the mission to be better. Because when you buy a pair, they give a pair to someone in need. Listen later for a code that will get you 20% off your first purchase. A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Welcome back to another episode of Swiftish. This is Swiftish episode 21, and I'm Ashley. And I'm Shelby. And I almost said that I'm Shelby, and I <laughs> realized that I wasn't Shelby. <laughs> I paused for a second. I missed you, Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> it's I been know, a it's, week. Yeah, it's longer than usual because you were out um, chasing down Taylor Swift billboards and I was. <laughs> girls. I was. I was in Nashville and I made my friends, <laughs> uh, you know, as one Swifty does, I made my friends hunt down the Taylor Swift billboard. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, uh, um, I think about 70 Swifties crowdfunded money um, <laughs> headed by two Swifties. I'm sorry, I do not know their names, but they're mm-hmm. amazing. And they got an electronic billboard, you know, once that like it flashes from ad to ad to ad. They raised enough money to put I stand with Taylor Swift hashtag and a message to Scott to let Taylor mm-hmm. perform her music at the AMAs. And it was pretty cool. You know, my friends and I, like, we drove down there. We're like in that middle turn lane for like probably five minutes because <laughs> it's electronic and it flashes, flashes, flashes. Yeah, so it was know. two different ads and I took a photo of them. I wanted one, you know, of course, by the billboard, but it was a busy street. Yeah. It would have been awkward. My poor friends, baby in the car, <laughs> just wouldn't have been good. But, yeah. you know, it was a great um it was a great week. I do have a funny story to tell you though. You know, oh. people in Nashville are so fun. They are really fun. Just everywhere we went, we everyone was nice. You know, we live in the south in Houston. Mm-hmm. And when you moved to Texas, did you think everyone was going to have like a Texas Southern draw? <laughs> like I mean, accent. No. I, I I lived here before, so I knew. It was okay, you lived team. here before. I yeah. I had been to Dallas, like just outside of Dallas, Fort Worth, and people had. And I dated a guy from Dallas, whose parents had that Southern drawl, and so I kind of thought Houston would yeah. be the same, but it wasn't. But Nashville. Yeah. Nashville, you have a lot of those like <laughs> country accents, and it, it was cute. Um, but we went to a Predators game, which is a hockey game, and it was it was really fun. Um, it was me, my married friend Carly, and my single friend Kelsey. And there was these like two group of guys on either side of us, and there was this younger group of guys who were all single next, like next to my friend Kelsey, and we were kind of like, "Go talk to them, go talk to them." And so she went <laughs> and she started a conversation with one of them. And so my friend Carly and I were both married, we're just like kind of chit chatting with each other, and then these these guys like obviously just came down and sat next to us, and they kind of like the guy just started staring at us, and it was really creepy. <laughs> and um, then I. I kind of like, you know, like when you don't want to make eye contact, but you just can't yeah. like because they're staring at you because it's creepy. Yeah. Like tap. Ugh. Anyways, so they turned to me and they tapped me and they started talking to us. Mm-hmm. And then I got out of the conversation again, but then they started talking again. And I couldn't understand their accent, but because they they were <laughs> French Canadians because of hockey, like their team was oh, playing the Predators. And then, and then they were like, hey, they propositioned us. They're like, do you guys want to, do you guys want to head out? 
And I like, and it was like the first period, you guys. There are three periods in hockey. And I put my hand up. I was like, oh, well, we're married, but appreciate it. And there were, uh, and then the guy next to me says, I'm married too. And then I turned oh. to him. I was like, I was like, I'm not that kind of married. And then they kind yeah. of like, they're like, oh, well, that's the answer we were looking for. And, and I like, well, I could, I could barely even understand them. I was like, I don't know what you're saying. And they're like, it's because I have an accent. I'm like, no, it's because it's really loud. I just don't know what you're saying to me. Um, but they left, um, heartbroken, of course. Yeah. So it was, everyone's really uh, friendly. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's the takeaway. That's yeah. the take. But it was fun. You know, I went to, um, the country hall, uh, music, uh, hold on, the country hall of fame music hall i don't know you guys it's too <laughs> early but it was fun i went to taylor swift education center oh, there's not yes, a lot yes, of stuff yes. about taylor at the at the museum you know she's kind of transitioned uh-huh. out of country but it was fun you know i got to see some of her outfits from the me music video and then of course the love story dress yeah it was pretty yeah <laughs> it was it was great i went to pancake pantry you know there was like this blog that kind of said this is what taylor likes to do it was pancake pantry <laughs> fido um also like hot chicken's great barbecue there did is you great. go to 16th street no i we 16th didn't that, avenue i that, i really wanted to <laughs> but you guys i had so i was kind of telling shelby about this beforehand i had a friend who had who has a baby so we were kind of in closer to at night and then I also had other friends who didn't get up till one o'clock so <laughs> Limited time we were frame. we were out for majority of the week from one to eight p.m and that's just mm-hmm. not enough time to explore <laughs> yeah. everything but next time <laughs> gonna go check out I'm gonna go skip down 16th <laughs> avenue yeah well we're a Swiftish podcast so you know it's just important to do the Taylor Swift stuff uh, as Swifties do but what's really exciting is while we were, I was away, I did look at our reviews and we had two oh. really, really awesome reviews this week. And, you know, I like to kind of like just tell everyone how awesome we are, how amazing people think we are. So <laughs> I will get into our two new reviews. David yes. Swift, 96, has said, I luckily came across this podcast this past summer and I'm so happy that I did. You both are so fun to listen to. The excitement that you bring to all things Taylor mm-hmm. is so pure and refreshing. <laughs> But I also love when you guys get a little shady and snarky. Spill the tea, sisters. I look forward to listening to each episode as they come out. Thanks for brightening up this Swifties life each and every week. Well, David, we like being snarky. We like being shady. (laughs) It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. And then the Tay Onion, you guys, we all all love the Tay Onion. On Instagram, at the Tay Onion. Hilarious. They are a fan of of our podcast and makes me so happy and they left a review and they said great stuff my monday morning drive to university isn't as insufferable as it used to be now that i discovered swiftish shelby and ashley's articulate analytical discussion of taylor swift's music helps me distract from the fact the world is on fire and we're all gonna die (laughs) every time i tune in i can expect quality honest reviews that make me rethink some of them interpretations of taylor songs they can analyze a taylor swift song in an hour-long podcast better than i could analyze george orwell's animal farm in a 10-page essay (laughs) (laughs) can't recommend them enough yes yeah so go follow the tay onion Yes. amazing <laughs> yeah but if you guys want to keep on giving us reviews and you know 
making my ego a little bit better, you know, go mm-hmm. to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way down, give us a five star, and then let us know like what keeps you tuning in every week. <laughs> yes. You know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Swiftish Podcast or on Twitter at SwiftishPod13 and slide into our DMs or send us an email mm-hmm. at SwiftishPodcast at gmail.com because we love hearing from you guys and it's always fun to get some feedback. So, yeah. And Definitely. boy, oh boy, do we have a show with a lot of <laughs> news oh. and stories and moments. I mean, this is a big episode, first of all, because it's track seven. We're going to be talking about Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Miss um, Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. <laughs> I love this song, you guys. Yes, it's very intense. Lots to talk about. But before that, we have some taste blaining to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like it's like taste tay meets tea. Yes. We're kind of combining <laughs> them into one because there is so much to go off of. So it's a lot yes. of tay tea time. Yeah, it's, it's a doozy. Yeah, Taylor I mean, got some feedback week, of her own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last week we obviously went in depth into the entire um, Taylor Swift's letter about the behind the scenes with her music and her contract with Big Machine and not being able to perform at AMAs, the whole I Stand With Taylor movement. And so this week we got a lot happening on that front. I mean, first and foremost with the AMAs, well, actually, we're recording this on Saturday. The AMAs are Sunday and the episode mm-hmm. will drop Monday. So <laughs> so people listening to this will already know that Taylor Swift did get permission to sing her old songs on stage at the AMAs. Yeah. And there's all these rumors that people are going to go on the stage with her, make like mm-hmm. a, a solidarity, a statement. Um, was it Green Day? Yeah. That- Green Day shared on their story that was deleted. Um, they <laughs> yeah. written out lyrics for Bad Blood. I think Kesha tweeted something that was like, can't wait to see you at the AMAs, winky face. So yeah, mm. it seems like there will be a few different, I think the rumors Selena Gomez will perform with her. So it should be a pretty big moment and we're excited for it. Um, but it was all sort of weird because the news broke that she could perform when Big Machine released a... Um, statement saying like oh yeah we had to come to terms with Dick Clark Productions the people who record um, the AMAs and so once we made that agreement like yeah of course I mean it was never in our (laughs) purview to kind of (laughs) keep her from this they were like um, it should be noted that recording artists do not need label approval for live performances on television Um, and then so basically they make the statement that's sort of like okay guys so Yes, this was something we were discussing, but it wasn't our fault. It was Dick Clark's fault. We were just negotiating the deals and Taylor overreacted. Mm-hmm. And then Dick Clark almost immediately comes out with a statement that was saying, at no time did we agree to create, authorize, or distribute a statement in partnership with Big Machine Label Group. So they were basically mm-hmm. like washing their hands of it. They're like, no, these people never talk to us. We don't know why their name, our name is in their mouth. But <sighs> They're like, we'd like to be removed from this narrative. <laughs> Let yeah. me step out. Oh my yes. That's ridiculous because that also makes it just seem like just so shady. Mm-hmm. Just so shady. Yeah, I mean, Big Machine is, like, really trying to, I don't know, like, protect themselves. Yeah, but they just keep doing it in the worst way because it it 
confirms that one, their original statement where they're like, Taylor Swift can perform. We never had an Mm -hmm. issue with this was a lie. Mm -hmm. But then they were trying to be like, oh, well, it wasn't our choice. It was Dick Clark's. And Dick Clark was like, no, this is all on you and Taylor Swift's team. And so they admitted that they weren't agreeing with Taylor Swift. And so now they just stayed silent. It's just they just showed their whole ass. You know, it's just like (laughs) very embarrassing and awkward and weird. It's just, oh, I'm just, it just makes me cringe. I'm excited for the performance, but this whole drama just, yeah. I feel like we're back in high school right now. <laughs> yes. Very uh, good that we're talking about Miss Americana then because we love a good high school narrative. We really do. And I just feel like, <laughs> you know, Scooter's adding to that narrative. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, just- Scooter, I mean, it's been weird because. He's been really quiet about it. I mean, he's been sliding into Swifty's DMs and being like... That sounds very creepy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, I want to talk to Taylor. I do. I don't know what the problem is. I'm so embarrassed by how this is going, blah, blah, blah. But he was at some sort of event, um, the 2019 Entertainment Industry Conference. That's Mm -hmm. like a variety-sponsored thing. And he was asked about it, and he's like, I haven't talked about this in six months. Like, not once. Like, I'm above this, basically. Um, which is funny But is he really? I know, right? <laughs> it's like, I feel like we've heard a lot from him, even if he hasn't been making um, statements. Public statements. You know, sli- yeah. you know, sliding into DMs, that's private. Yeah. You know, that's a private <laughs> yeah. DM. So screenshots, it's just, it's not his statement, though. Yeah. But, you know, his your wife, yeah, make a statement. And Justin yours? Bieber. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, you, you know, everything that, like, his wife posts on her Instagram regarding this situation was ran yeah. through him. Yeah. And then Justin Bieber, too, was ran through him. Mm-hmm. Like, are we just going to sit back and think that he's taking the high road yeah. and he's not doing anything? He is. I know oh. it's so weird and it's like it's like immediately gross how he tries to manipulate the situation like I can believe that maybe he never expected that Taylor Swift would be this mad but then it's just it's weird that he's sort of like trying to play the good guy by being like oh Taylor Swift is making me look like the bad guy because mm-hmm. he literally said like I don't want to make a statement if that means I've got to be the bad guy longer I'll be the bad guy longer but I'm not going to participate and then less than Ugh. 24 hours later he participates which is just Why a very you- manipulative move because he's like he first gets in the news for being like oh see I don't want to address this I just don't I want to be above it and then the next day he's like Taylor Swift has forced my hand to do the one thing I said I didn't want to do. And it just feels very planned and gross. Oh, it is. He's manager. He's in very calculated. He's a manager. He he's in the PR. He knows exactly. He's this seems very calculated. When you read his statement, like what he said in that interview, what he said in his statement, there are all these trigger words that he knows are gonna make good clickbait. Like he had purposely chose the words he ch- he he wanted i'm sure it wasn't mm. oh you forced my hand i got home tonight and this happened <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it was sort of just a lengthy instagram post which um you know is how they're doing it these days mm. and he sort of started it off by being like yeah my hand was my arm was twisted like i came home my wife had been getting death threats and 
and here's a screenshot of one. And I like believe that there are some Swifties who take it too far, but there's also trolls that take it that just like feed the fire. I believe that every fandom has toxic behavior in it. And just mm-hmm. and like you see that with Justin Bieber's fans threatening Selena Gomez after their breakup or after Selena's song. You see that I mean, with Ariana Grande's stands who went after Pete Davidson to the point of like pushing him into a very dark mental place. But the difference here is that what we can pull from and we talked about last week is that Taylor did ask her her fans right. to, you know, let it be heard, their opinion. Mm-hmm. And that kind of did trigger some of the crazies. You know, she has yeah. stalkers. She she has those people, you know, that, you know, we're, we're well aware that people on social media will push their limits. Yeah. And when you have this huge star who asks, you know, her fans, her crazies, her stalkers, <laughs> you know, she's not, and that's not her attention behind it, but she right. knows what can happen. People have written yeah. articles about this. So I do see where they're upset that Taylor has asked her fans to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sad that it got to this. And I, there were rumors that, you know, people were like sending them all this, all this messages, like DMs and on their stories, calling out Scooter, calling out Scott, calling out Big Machine. And a lot of people are saying, oh my gosh, you can see that Big Machine's viewed this. You can see that Scott's viewed this. You can see that Scooter's viewed this. And so there was this rumor going around, I think based off of someone talked to a Nashville lawyer, I'm not sure, a rumor that said they're probably screenshotting this and they're going to use this as, um, you know, in the lawsuit against Taylor saying that she greenlit her fans, people right. to go after them. So it's just where I'm not surprised that sh- that this has happened. Are you? Right. So, I mean, I just want to – I want to play devil's av- advocate that any any artist that does call the action – I don't think that Justin Bieber called the Selenators to do anything. And then uh-huh. you have the situation where literally, you know, peacefully probably, that was intention behind Taylor. She wanted them to let their voice be heard. And uh-huh. then you have this. So, so what I, did you think of the um- – the screenshot that Scooter provided as proof of abuse. <laughs> it wasn't a Swifty. It did not look like a Swifty account. It didn't yeah. look like a Swifty account. And it was just like, and I don't, like, that's the thing. It's, it can be so manipulating. Like, do we know that it's actually a Swifty account? Do we know mm-hmm. that it was a recent message? Do yeah. we know that it wasn't his wife <laughs> making an, an a animal account? <laughs> You know, a lot of people are saying that. But didn't, is that yeah. what you told me? That like people yeah, went down a like dark, this dark web. Theory that um, his wife Yale follows animal accounts, and one of the animal accounts in the summer posted a photo of this hedgehog. So their theory oh is that somehow, I don't know that that either Yale created an account or this hedgehog account um, sent the screenshot, like made it up, basically. But I don't, that just seems like a very big reach to me. Like, I, I mean, lots of people have hedgehogs as, um, as like, you know, photos, like, and even if it was like a Yale follow, like, I don't know. It just is like, I didn't quite get the point Swifties were trying to make, but I guess there's a theory that Scooter made the whole thing up, which, yeah, like you said, I don't believe that he made it up. I'm sure that they have gotten some very sad, very Mm -hmm. crazy calls, messages, 
I mean, mm-hmm. even just that whole thing where where Swifties were commenting on the memorial to someone who had died last week, like yeah. that is very gross to me. And I think I'm sure that it's been very hard for Scooter and Scott and they've been getting crazy messages. But then the rest of his statement is just so manipulative. Mm. So did you see this? Um, did you yeah. see this when it happened? I did and I read it. And it was interesting to see some of the Swifties' re- reaction, especially Instagram versus Twitter, because I hop back and forth. And a lot of like Instagram people, they were sharing it, and they were like, "I don't agree with the situation, but I do think that there's, you know, the take out of this is we need to be more conscientious of how we show ourselves online." You know, like, mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of Instagram Swifties were like. It, this is so sad. I'm so sad that he's having the situation. But and then they would defend Taylor. Then you'd go <laughs> onto Twitter, and uh, Swifties were like, "This is BS. He is just playing the victim. Um, there's no way that like this just magically happened after he made that statement yesterday." You know, and it mm. was it was interesting to see both sides. And my first reaction was, "Oh, okay." Like the words he was using in this. Um, and the statement was very triggering, you know, clickbait. And I was like, oh, here they are playing the victim once again. <laughs> yeah. So he it's a long statement, but the biggest chunk is basically um, he starts out by being like, my wife has been threatened. I've been threatened. And then he addresses Taylor Swift in this public way. That's like, I assume this is not your intention, but it is important mm-hmm. that you understand that your words carry a tremendous amount of weight and that your message can be interpreted by some in different ways. All I have ever wanted to do is rectify the situation and I'm open to all possibilities to have an open discussion. And he said like, oh, I've tried to talk with Swift over the last six months and she's rejected my efforts, even though, and this line really annoyed me. He's like, um, it almost feels like you have no interest in ever resolving the conflict. And he was like, at this point with safety becoming a concern, I have no choice other than to publicly ask for us to come together and try to find a solution. And yeah, I totally get your point. When I first read this, I was like, eesh, maybe Taylor has been sort of, maybe she should talk to him and maybe Mm -hmm. this is all like a misunderstanding. But then I was like, just the way he's presenting this is like, I am being a, I am being a um, thoughtful, like present man and you're just being emotional and you need to like listen to me and like, I don't like that you went public with your thoughts and why couldn't you yell at me behind closed doors instead of making my image look bad? And it's just Mm -hmm. like, in the way that the media and general public were quick to defend this man's, um, opinion of the situation while instantly deciding Taylor was the one who's lying was just very telling too. And I think he very intentionally, you know, used words like, Oh, you're worried about your image. Oh, you have no interest in resolving this. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is all on you. Like, why did you do this to me? And it's just totally blaming her for everything, even though the Mm -hmm. issues she's brought up are, you know, you'd stolen my life's work. I was never given the option to buy them outright like you were. Um, the fact that Scott sold them to you very secretly was very dirty mm-hmm. and gross to me. 
you have now stalled my ability to do these things I want, the AMAs, the Netflix documentary, because you want me to not re-record because you own the original. And it's like she is sharing like very real, like career changing things in her life that hurt yeah. her and continue to affect her career. And he's being like, Oh, Taylor, like you're being just unreasonable. Like, why won't you talk to me? Like, I'm just the good guy here. And it just feels very, very annoying. But the kicker for me was um, at towards the end of his statement, he's like, and this is, again, an unnecessary addition to his statement. So it immediately makes me wary of his intentions. <laughs> but he says, many have told me that a meeting will never happen as this is not about truth or resolution, but instead a narrative for you. And it's like... <laughs> That is a nasty barb to throw at someone whose main accusation throughout her career has been that she's calculated and playing the victim and is obsessed with this image that she makes up out of thin air. And it's just like, you're immediately not the good guy if you're going to just like casually lean into that. Well, I also like the the language he he chooses. Many have told me that this is the situation. (laughs) It's not, I think that you don't want to like you don't want to resolve this because this is a narrative for you. He's not taking for obviously this is all he believes all of this, but he's Mm -hmm. saying other people have said this, right? you know, like (laughs) some people on your team and many of our mutual friends are trying to get to you. Like, it's not like I'm trying. It's, it's the language is very calculated and it's very interesting to see how these men who have always not, I'm not saying just, him in general, but all these people who have thrown this narrative at her saying uh-huh. that she's calculating, they're the ones who are being calculating. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's one- very calculating to release a Instagram statement like this right after saying you don't want to make a statement. Exactly. Exactly. And one thing that I would be very interested in seeing is all of the the DMs and the hate that Taylor's getting from this yes. too. Like, yes, they are getting hate. They are getting death threats. They are getting this too. But what is she getting on this side from their side, from, you know, other people? I'm sure she has receipts to show too. (laughs) Right. And that's what's wild is he is insistent on playing the good guy card, which is an automatic red flag. If you have to say you're the good guy, you're probably not the good guy. And I think Taylor Hmm. Swift herself said that in an interview once where it's like, you can't be insistent on something if you if your actions keep proving otherwise. Because Scooter Braun is the guy who willingly like added fuel to the fire during the Taylor Swift yes. over party in 2016. He is the one who made jokes that sent other people to give death threats and um, angry DMs and cancellations to Taylor Swift. Like he. In his event, he was like, "Oh, I think the cancel culture is so bad. Like, oh, I just think everyone's just too." In incense and whatever and it's like you have played into this game like you know like whether or he not shared, you think Taylor yeah. like overreacted oh, so he- with the um with the like screenshot of Scooter and Kanye and Justin Bieber hanging out like that that thing that Justin Bieber posted had a direct impact on Taylor Swift's mental health because of the same things that yes. he feels are being thrown at him so once it once he experiences it, then it's serious. <laughs> yeah. But she was experiencing it, and he just kind of like rolled his eyes at it. Like he, yeah. he he like he 
fuel that fi- fire. And then he also shared that that post of him. It was like when when he bought that when he bought when he yes. bought Taylor Swift. He shared yes. that the Taylor his friends instagram shot story saying when you buy taylor swift so it's not like mm-hmm. he's acting like he is such a good guy but then you see all the receipts of how he's not such a good guy he's mm-hmm. just he's just a little snake in in the grass <laughs> coming and yeah. coming out it's just yeah it's, it's unfortunate i would like to see this resolved because mm-hmm. it's getting a little petty on on all these sides like it's like it, to have Taylor making these statements is sad to have, you know, they're all grown adults that mm-hmm. unfortunately it can't be resolved behind closed doors. And so, you know, it, like you can tell that when Taylor released these statements, like they were trying to work out something. So she released that statement and then they released this statement and then, you know, it's a third party says this and it's just like this like wildfire just kind of like, yeah. I don't, it's, right. I, I'm very interested in seeing how it's going to play out. Yeah, because that's the thing that's frustrating, too, is it's like, I don't know how it breaks down. Like, is Scott Borchetta the one who has, like, the control over it? Because Scooter in some Swifty DMs has been like, oh, I I would love to sell these to her outright, which I don't believe. But, I mean, but it's sort of interesting. Like, maybe Scooter does did realize, like, he bit off more than he could chew when he did this whole thing. And he kind of wants to wipe his hands of it. He said something how he is he's out of it. He's not making these decisions because Scott is still yeah. the CEO of Big Machine. So yeah. he's making those decisions without listening to Scooter. So he's kind of playing the the, the, the victim, victim too, saying yeah. this is this is Scott's um, problem. It's not me. I want to. And this is my thing. He owns Taylor Swift's masters. Like mm-hmm. doesn't he? So if he wants to sell them to her. Yeah. I know he's like I've tried to reach out to her and she's just ignoring my calls I'm like I'm a hundred percent sure if you were calling her team and was like hey I want to sell you her masters that she'd pick up the phone you know and that's what's annoying about this post is now he's publicly like shamed her so it's like if she ever does talk to him then he gets to look like the good guy. He looks. He gets yeah. to look like the hero who talked down this like emotional, um, reactive woman and was so reasonable and so level-headed and finally got her to sit down. And it's just like oh. that itself is a strategy. Like he has been hedging his bets so that any way you cut it, he can be like, oh, I, I never bullied her, but his wife did. And oh, I never, I always wanted to talk to her, but then he sold her he bought her records behind her back like you know one one thing that i'm thinking too is like maybe he has reached out maybe he is like he's done all this stuff to try and make amends but we don't know the to the full extent like Mm -hmm. i'd love more than anything to sell her master sell her her masters but what do we do do we know that there's a clause like oh i'll sell you your masters if i can manage you also your masters if this happens like we don't Mm -hmm. know like, oh, you can sing your songs and you can release right. a Netflix documentary if you don't right. sell your masters. Like, yeah. I feel like that has to be some kind of scooter oh, has sure. to be in there. I don't know. You know? Yeah, oh. it's a messy situation. It'll be interesting to see how Taylor responds, not only at the AMAs, but continuing forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean... It is like a very messy public situation, but I think more and more people are sort of on the side of Taylor Swift, like Independent released this op-ed about how Dirty Scooter Bronze, um, Dirty Scooter, um, his his position was, and 
And I think people are like, yeah, like Taylor has a right to be mad about this. And like the general public is like, oh, well, she had the option to buy her masters. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, the option was to make seven additional um, records and earn back her masters over the course of a decade or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so just the nuance is being talked about more. So I think more and more the public is siding with Taylor and there is this conversation around um, the business side of the music industry. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. Um, I think Taylor's going to make a lot of uh, career hitting moves right here for everybody. Yes. Yeah. And she's speaking of career hitting moves. She is taking, yeah. <laughs> you know, Grammy nominations are released and yes. she is up for three Grammy nominations for Lover. I mean, it was sort of interesting. She wasn't nominated for Album of the Year. Yeah. But she did get Song of the Year for Lover, um, Best Pop Solo Performance for You Need to Calm Down, and then best, she was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album for Lover. It'll be interesting. You know, I was really... I wasn't. I was shocked, but not shocked that she wasn't nominated for song of, or not for album of the year for Lover. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of talking to a friend who's a little bit. Who she's like, she's an opera singer. She's kind of snobby, kind of like what I envision, like the Academy to be like the. <laughs> I think that's what they call them, the Academy. And she was like, mm-hmm. and I was. It was on the day that the Grammy nominations came out, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that she didn't get nominated. She's such like I love this album. It's so great. It was received so well. And she was like, yeah, but uh, it's been done before. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it, it sounds like so many other artists. Like, it sounds like she just kind of like went with an album that sounded like everything else. So mm-hmm. it's been done before. And she did 1989. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of feel like that's probably the mentality of the Academy and the, you know, I don't know. It's just irks me that it didn't get nominated because it is amazing (laughs) yeah no the grammys are a hot mess these days i mean it's sort of like weird because they present themselves as this sort of highbrow music awards but then a lot of it is just like a popularity contest i mean there's a lot of drama around lizzo because some of her songs had been released originally in like 2017 2018 but were either repackaged on her new album or they swung by because they hit popularity in 2019 and Mm -hmm. i mean i love lizzo so i'm all for her nomination me too um thank you next is a big popular album so it wouldn't make sense that taylor swift was edged out for being a popular album but Mm -hmm. and then they also just pick weird ones it's a it's i don't I think more and more people are sort of like the Grammys are sort of like out of touch and I don't mean that just because of Taylor. No. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also like since Taylor has won 10 Grammys, there's just a tendency in award shows to um, nominate hot new artists because they want Mm -hmm. the like, Oh, see, we were the first ones to recognize them. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's harder to get nominated again once you already have like a fair amount of awards and she got album of the year for 1989 and she got Mm. it for was it fearless fearless so she's gotten like two of those so i wonder i I just don't think that they should let that really impact it should really be about the art and the 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 sales the albums the writing it should really be about that and not have they won it before um it, it should be it should be their you know the work behind it and not just mm-hmm. what has been done before. But 
um, she was really excited to get like she she posted on her story and she was like, guys, three Grammy noms, and then she was super excited to get a Grammy nomination for Song of the Year for Lover yes. because. This is a songwriter's award and she wrote it and she's been very pu- out in public to be like, if there was a party for all the songwriters, <laughs> it would just be me. So like, she's so excited for this one. She's up against, um, I, I haven't heard Lady Gaga song, but Lady Gaga, Billy, Tanya Tucker, um, H.E.R., Lana Del Rey, and then some, and then like, I think Louis Capadelli and Lizzo, which... Mm-hmm. I would not like be surprised if Lizzo wins for Truth Hurts. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because it is a songwriting award and all yes. of these other songs have like like three oh. to ten songwriters on them. Whereas Taylor so, Swift is the only artist who's solo nominated for songwriter. So hopefully it's not about, like you said, a popularity contest. Right. Hopefully yeah. it's about like the the work, the writing. Mm. Yeah, I think Taylor's the most excited about this one exactly because, like, yeah, she's it's the song she wrote by herself, and it's been a while since she did that. Um, It's also one of her favorite tracks, and the fact that she is the solo songwriter attached to this one in a in a um, you know nominated pool of people who all used other songwriters, which is fine because that's what Taylor has done too. So it's sort of like. It would be very cool for her to win and it would just be her on the stage and it would just be her Grammy. And um, I think she's, even if she's sad about Lover, the album not being nominated, I think this award especially is meaningful to her. Yeah. And it's, ah, it'd be really sweet. I mean, if she does win everything that she's she's nominated for, she's going to have 13 Grammys, (laughs) which would be kind of perfect for this year. You know, yeah. 13 Grammys, 13 years of Taylor, you know, her career, 13. It's just mm-hmm. such a huge – that would be – I'm telling you, I would I would just <laughs> die. Like, I, I yeah. you just can't make this stuff up. If she gets 13, I'm like, there's – there has to be a plan. Like, <laughs> the gods, the universe, they're just coming together. And I, yeah. like I said, I think that the world was made for Taylor Swift. If she wins all three <laughs> Grammys, I'm – I'm could die happy. I'm just going to leave you guys right there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure she will. I think one, it's a tough field. I think there's a lot of great people nominated, but also, oh, yeah. Um, also, it's just, you know, Taylor don't Shift rain on my parade. Some, she's been making Say. some noise against the industry. And um, I know there's a lot of people involved who could be mad at Taylor. Shelby, just let me live in this world until the Grammys, please. <laughs> just be like, oh, she's going to get yeah. 13. She is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what? She she has the AMAs up, so she'll be awarded for something somewhere. And she's also the Billboard recognized her as yes. woman. It, yeah, was it woman of the what was the exact award? But it was like know. a decade, woman of the decade, but, or female yeah. artist of the decade, or something. Yeah. So she's so she's been nominating on all these different places. It'll be interesting. I'm excited for the Grammys. I'm excited for. Yeah all these award shows coming up. I know, but we do have, um, we've got to get into Miss Americana and I think it'll be a fun one. But first it's time for a word about our sponsor, Bombas Socks. Mm. Yes. You know, um, Bombas Socks has sponsored us, but I also feel like that is a win for us because my feet have never felt warmer in this cold, 
Houston weather. <laughs> it's amazing. I I know it's Houston, but you guys, it's like 40 degrees I outside. Know. It's been rough for us. But yeah, I mean, everybody loves the feeling of winning, especially the feeling of winning during the holidays. And luckily for our sock addiction, hopefully for your sock addiction, Bombas has a annual holiday sale that's happening right now. So wait, it's right the now? perfect chance to... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go buy some people some socks for Christmas. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? It's a perfect gift. And it's the perfect gift for you, for your friends, for your family. Because for every sock purchase, for every item purchase, Bombas has made it their mission to donate a pair of socks to people in need. So their whole company was founded on the idea that um, socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. So for every pair purchase, they make sure to donate one of a similar kind, whether that's the merino wool or the ankle socks, or if you go for their um, clothing line, their sweaters, whatever it is, they donate something similar to someone in need. And so far they've donated over 20 million items of clothing. And this holiday season, you have the opportunity to add to that count. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Taylor Swift is so passionate about helping others and giving back. And this is just one way that we can help others and give back. So I think it's something that we're passionate about, too. (laughs) Yeah. Plus, they are just super cute, super comfortable. I mean, have you been wearing them around town? Oh, I have been wearing them everywhere. You know, I have my (laughs) boots. I wear them with my boots. I wear them when I work out. You know, the 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 rule socks are great because they they not only catch my sweaty feet but my dog when he tries to make me run for my socks i get it out of his mouth and i've said it before it dries so fast like that's just a testament to this technology yeah. that you know they put in and the thought they put into the socks yes it's amazing they're, they're super soft they're extra cushioned they have a great um arch support and oh. my favorite is that they've totally removed the seam on the edge of toes. So that little ridge on the top, Bombas got rid of it. And so now Great. it's just smooth sailing on mm-hmm. all the way across the top of your foot, which is exactly what I'm looking for. Exactly. I was wearing some other socks like yesterday <laughs> and my feet were really, I was like, what is that on my foot? And it was the yeah. seam. And I was, and I'm not used yeah. to the seam anymore. So you guys, once I you go know. Bombas, there's no going back. <laughs> Yeah, I keep doing laundry a lot more regularly because I'm like, where are my Bombas socks? I don't want to wear these <laughs> loser socks right now. They're so you know, what's so uncomfortable. But I know. So like, what's so amazing is that you can give this gift to other people for the holidays. Um, mm. You can also give yourself that gift for the holidays. So what you can do to get these socks is you go to bombas.com slash Swiftish to get 20% off of any purchase during their huge, amazing holiday sale. So it's November yes. 18th through December 5th. Yeah, that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Swiftish for 20% off. Bombas dot com slash Swiftish. Make sure to put that slash Swiftish. You go get your socks <laughs> yeah. for all of your holiday get needs. You that, get you that 20% off, you know? That's what we're <laughs> here for. We're going to get you addicted to these socks as well. So mm-hmm. can't wait to take, Just like us. you know, we'll see you guys at Loverfest. We'll all pull off our shoes and it'll be Bombas socks across the board. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of something that I'm super addicted to, I can't get enough of this next song that we're going to cover. <laughs> Miss yes. Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, you guys. We have been waiting for this song. Mm-hmm. It's been a song that is very fitting for Taylor Swift and just what she's really stood up for this era. 
Yeah, I mean, so it's sort of interesting. This is track seven on the album. Um, it was written and produced by Joel Little and Taylor Swift, obviously. Um, it wasn't. It hasn't been released as a single yet, but it peaked at 49 on the Billboard 100 when it first came out. But mm-hmm. it was interesting because, I mean, even on our episode we did with P.S. You're Wrong, um, this was one of my co-hosts over there, Matt's, um, favorite songs, but he had no idea that it was politically charged. Yeah. So I was curious, like, did you know, like when you listened to this, were you like, oh yeah, this is political? Um, so for the first, first time, I think I, I really grasped out of it was her change. I like just her evolution from Taylor Swift to who she is now, because at the beginning of the song, it talks about, um, homecoming and and being like you know miss americana and leaving that behind and you know running away with a heartbreak prince and i kind of thought about you know um you go back to you need um you belong with me and love story and you're just thinking about she was like this um you know everyone thought she was american sweetheart you know she was having all these fourth of july parties and so it kind of made me it kind of put me in that Mm -hmm. mindset that like she's changing um you know, she's going away from who she was back then. But at first I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, this is super politically charged. But when it was like, you know, the bad, bad boys, you know, put me in the mind of like mindset of high school and how fake it is. So I didn't really necessarily pull it to be political and kind of like Matt, but I knew it was like a statement of how she's changing. Yeah, I think it was um, some secret sessioners were like, oh, she gets political Mm -hmm. on the album. So we all knew. And I was sort of like listening for what it could be. And um, one of the one of a a very political, like outspoken Swifty Mm -hmm. is T Shifty on Tumblr. And she had been invited to the secret session. So when she got out, she was talking all about how track seven was her favorite. It was a huge moment. Like her and Taylor were like sharing looks during it. And so I kind of surmised that it had to be the political one just because that's like T Shifty's brand. So when it came on... Yeah, like the yeah. title is Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. And if it's going to yeah. be a political song, it's going to be a title with <laughs> America. America in it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of interesting to listen to it. Um, but it has been one of her more well-received tracks. I think people like that she's sort of outspoken, but it's not as twee mm-hmm. and like on the nose as you need to calm down. So like... Um, Spin called it one of their favorite tracks, described it as a glittering dream of youthful romance as a proxy for the American dream. Um, Teen Vogue thought it was one of the most interesting parts of the album. Variety said it's the sound of a friendly superstar deciding she's mad as hell and can't take being apolitical anymore. I really like this song a lot. Um, As soon as everyone was like, this is the the song that she's making a statement in, like, it's a lo- everyone. If you're just gonna listen to it on the radio, mm-hmm. everyone's gonna like it. It's just gonna be received really well, I think. And yeah. then once you find out what it's about, like you don't have to listen to it and think politics, but that's the underlying message, right. and it's there. And but it's there. That's what it's so amazing about. <laughs> yeah. She uses, you know, that her words, her writing, and um, like to tell the story. And it's kind of like putting you back in high school. And I think I heard a story, and I don't. I don't know because she hasn't really publicly said so much about it, but I think I heard a story that she was, she, you know, she's like, she's spending a lot of time in London. She's spending a lot of time with Joe and his mates, you know, the prince over there. And I think they kind of like make fun of, you know, 
America and not America, but like the high school homecoming. Like it's just you go there because that's what you're supposed to do. There's this hierarchy um, between the popular people and the cliques and the crowds, and we're we just do stuff because it's. It, it's always been done like that. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, she's seeing this different side. Yeah, she said in her um, Spotify notes about this song, um, this song is about disillusionment with our crazy world of politics and inequality mm. set in a metaphorical high school. I wanted it to be about finding one person who really sees you and cares about you through all of the noise. And interestingly enough, this isn't one that she released the secret session audio for, but she has talked about it in a couple of interviews. So with the Rolling Stone interview, she talked about how many influences go into this song. Um, She wrote it a Mm. couple of months after the midterm elections, and she wanted to take the idea of politics and pick a metaphorical place for that to exist. And so she thought about the traditional American high school, all these social events that can make people feel alienated, and how um, the current political landscape for her is like feeling like we need to huddle up under the bleachers and mm-hmm. figure out a plan to yeah. make it better. It kind of reminds me of like um, the Breakfast Club, you know, all of these people from all of these different cliques coming <laughs> together, you know, just and now those people, those metaphorical people are now under the bleachers being like, how can we <laughs> yeah. fix America? How can we make it um, amazing yeah. again. Yeah, make it great again, right? Is that <laughs> what you're going for? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going yeah. for that. Well, let's get into <laughs> it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lot to talk about. So, do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah. Um. So, verse one. You know, I adore you. I'm crazier for you than I was at sixteen, lost in a film scene, waving homecoming queens, marching band playing. I'm lost in the lights. American glory faded before me. Now I'm feeling hopeless, ripped up my prom dress, running through rose thorns. I saw the scoreboard and ran for my life. Um, so this is like a very, you know, it's a like you said, it's a very quintessential Taylor Swift image. And it's interesting that she opened with this. I mean, first of all, literally, um, she was in a film scene singing crazier during the Hannah Montana movie, yeah. which is an iconic moment mm-hmm. in cinema and everyone should watch it. <laughs> visit it. <laughs> Disney plus for the win. Ah! But yeah, like Taylor Swift is literally there in a homecoming in like a white dress singing this song about romance. And that's mm-hmm. just been her brand, especially when she was younger is just this image of America's sweetheart yeah. obsessed with romance and boys playing the right games, being the good little girl and I think it's a very self-aware way to open this track. Yeah. And it kind of just like, it also puts you back. We've seen how much she's she's grown and she's changed because literally in You Belong With Me, she the marching band was playing. That was such like a, an iconic yes. look for her during You Belong With Me in that era. You know, there's the, it puts you like right into that the game, the football game where she's in the stands and they're like watching this, this game play out, you know, between two sides, which you can kind of see yes. just that's the, the you know, our elections, you're seeing these two sides play out. You're seeing everything happening. You're seeing on the score, uh, you know, how, you know, you're watching the polls. So it kind of like puts you in that moment too. And where she kind of just, she fades away. She's kind of like all of this good, wholesome American values are just uh-huh. getting thrown away right now. Yeah. I love it. I, I can really identify with this. I mean, I like this line, like, I'm lost in the lights um, compared to, like, I saw the scoreboard and ran for my life because it sort of shows this, like, at first she was sort of blissfully ignorant. She could Mm -hmm. be 
she could be excited by America because it was easy. And, you know, she was a very privileged um, young woman. She could, she was in this Hollywood world, lost in the glamour, happy in her little bubble of flame of fame. Um, and then suddenly, you know, like everything, it's like a, it's like a personification of freshman year versus senior year, like this <laughs> transition where she's like, Oh yeah, it was all great. And then she's like, Oh wait, American glory faded before me. Like I was waking up and it was all sort of uncomfortable. And now I just like want out of here and Mm -hmm. like running through these rose thorns, like even just the idea that Taylor herself has used roses and flowers heavily throughout her, um, discography. And now she's saying like, wait, I like actually see the dark side. Yeah. And she's like, and, and you know, she's ripping up that prom dress, you know, that's like everyone, I, I just kind of, you know, when you're in high school, you're like, you put so much hopes and aspiration on homecoming on prom, yeah. on all these dances. And like, it, you have to get that perfect dress. You have, it's it's going to be a perfect night. And you yes. can just see that she's like, you said, like, she's she's seeing all of the darkness that that came with the supposed beauty mm-hmm. and it's not what it all seems to be it yeah. just it was t- it was hyped up <laughs> yeah and then she goes into the pre-chorus um no cameras catch my pageant smile i counted days i counted miles to see you there to see you there it's been a long time coming but and um i think this is interesting because I mean, she's one sort of admitting that a lot of times she has to be on, like she has to have this pageant smile. Mm -hmm. She has to kind of not necessarily force happiness. Like I'm sure she had a very happy life growing up and whatever. And she enjoys, you know, her career and her fame and the good and bad that come with it. But it's interesting that she's sort of letting us into this fact that she ran and now she can't even like force a pageant smile. Like she's just so (laughs) dead inside maybe is how I read it. It's just like, she can't even lean on that forced maybe persona of happy-go-lucky American sweetheart. She's just like, I need it out of there. It kind of reminded me, it put me kind of in the the delicate music video, you know, when yeah. she's like all yes. dolled up. She's like looking like she's going to be ready for like this award show. And you can kind of see she's just so sad and just kind of just not all the way there even when she Mm -hmm. kind of smiles like it's like dead behind it Mm -hmm. and all the cameras are flashing and then finally like she goes what makes her alive is and you're saying like to see you there to see you there it's been a long time coming and then you go into the course where she's talking about it's you and me and so it's kind of like pulling me into to delicate a little bit yeah um and also like like you know joe's in a different country with all these with with you know the hierarchy of the the queen and the king and the 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 prince and the princesses and so I'm kind of it's kind of interesting how she pulls in like you know the the politics of another country into the title because like heartbreak prince and Miss Americana um, I really think Joe had a lot of oh, Joe and probably her experience abroad had a lot to do with her awakening uh-huh. I think yeah I think yeah I like that idea of delicate because I also this sort of pre chorus reminded me of um, her poem, why she disappeared, where she talks about like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I want that love. That's not just the idea of something, but it's the real something. And she's like very happy that she's found that security. And I think it's like, you know, she's always believed in love. She's always sung about princes and then the Romeo Mm -hmm. to her Juliet. And she's like, she grew up, but she's still counting those days. She's still waiting for that. And now she feels like she found that relationship that she can believe in. Um, and so she 
like she said in her Spotify notes and in her talks about the song, it's not just about politics. Like it's about having someone who's there with you um, to kind of help you, you know, feel <laughs> mentally healthy and prepared to take on um, what well, you need to. Yeah. And like, I've been, you know, when you, when something happened like this, I'm sure like when you were just, everyone was just so devastated, um, you know, people who were uh, following the election here in America and when they saw all, everything unravel, even things that are unraveling today, like it makes you, like it breaks your heart and like the people you can lean on, on to like give you hope throughout it all it, are going to be your loved ones, are going mm-hmm. to be your friends, are going to be the families. And so like you might not be able to control the politics of, of the world or those side, but you have the, that support system. You have that love. Like when things are crashing down all around you, mm-hmm. you're going to look to, you know, she's looking to Joe yeah. to kind of like, oh, this, like, th- there is hope out there, you yes. know, like, and we're going to get through it together. Exactly. Which brings us to the chorus. It's you and me. That's my whole world. They whisper in the hallway. She's a bad, bad girl. The whole school is rolling fake dice. You play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. It's you and me. There's nothing like this. Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. We're so sad. We paint the town blue. Voted most likely to run away with you. Um, I like this. I mean, I like, yeah, the idea that, oh, she found someone to run away with and she literally did like run away <laughs> England. Where's Taylor? Yeah. But I like this, like, they whisper in the hallway, she's a bad, bad girl. Um, she's a bad, bad girl. I yeah. love that one. And she's, I think one, I think she sort of is acknowledging, like, the you in this chorus is obviously to me, at least, is about Joe and how she has yeah. found her prince, maybe, and how he is her whole world and he took her away and she was able to, like, survive this, like, Taylor's cancelled party. Um... But it also acknowledges this sort of probably shame or sort of, um, yeah, like regrets where they whisper in the hallway, she's a bad, bad girl, because that's all anyone was saying during the 2016 election is like, Mm -hmm. where is she? Why isn't she speaking up? She's such a privileged brat. Like, how can she not care? Like, just stand up. It's your fault. Like, where have you been? And I think it just like there will always be those whispers in the hallway for Taylor that make her feel insecure and like an outcast and like she's doing something wrong constantly. Oh yeah. When I was in New Orleans for the reputation tour, I went to, um, I, I went to this really good uh, hot dog place and the, per- the one, the waiters was like, Oh, well, why are you guys here? And I was like, Oh, I'm here to see Taylor tomorrow. And you know, I'm so excited the tour and the guy, he, he was, uh, he was just saying that like, you know, he was like, I'm gay. And I, I used to like her, but I can't support her anymore. She didn't come out during the election. She didn't say anything about um, about Trump. And he mm-hmm. kind of put all the blame on why, which is, this is sad. And I feel like so much weight for her to carry. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people have the same mindset of this guy. Like, she could have made a difference in the election. Right. She could have, she could have swayed people. She could have done this. And so I like, and so like, those are all the whispers. She's a bad mm-hmm. girl. She could have affected this, which she, she told Vogue, you know, just weeks before like this whole, you know, in her and in the interview that she said the summer before the election, all the people were saying she's calculated. She's manipulative. She's not what she seems. She's a snake. She's a liar. These were the same exact insults that they were hurling at Hillary. Mm-hmm. And like, would I be an endorsement or would I be a liability? Like, look, the snake of a feather fly together look at the two lying women the two Mm -hmm. nasty women so it's just so hard to see like like a lot of people put the blame of trump being president Mm -hmm. on taylor and i just that's heartbreaking (laughs) for me because uh, yeah yeah, it's not totally fair 
No, it's not. Uh, not yeah. at all. Yeah, and I think she has like sort of come into her own. And I think this song is that description of the journey of how she started to feel secure about it because she sings in verse two, um, my team is losing, battered and bruising. I see the high fives between the bad guys. Leave mm-hmm. with my head hung. You are the only one who seems to care. American stories burning before me. I'm feeling hope- helpless. The damsels are depressed. Boys will be boys then. Where are the wise men? Darling, I'm scared. Mm. And this is a pretty interesting verse. I mean, there's a lot packed in there. Um, I think, uh, I mean, yes, on the, on the front facing level, like it seems very obvious. She's talking about the democratic party losing. Um, She's watching the high fives between the bad guys as in all these dirty politicians who have won the election, who continue to, you know, spew those fake dice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, then she's also singing about like these American stories that are burning before her, um, which sort of shows how worse it's gotten. Cause in the first verse, it's just, Oh, American glory's faded. But here it's like, no, Americans, li- America's literally on fire. Like I can't be proud of this anymore. Like everything's so tainted and corrupted. I'm never throwing a 4th of July extravaganza again. Like is just showing a lot of her headspace and where she was at and maybe why she was so quick to kind of disappear. Yeah, because like the whole like when you're thinking about America and like the American, um, you know, the, the American story, I guess, American dream is that people uh-huh. were coming to America to uh, to get away from it all, to really be who they wanted to be, to have that religious freedom, to have the political freedom. And like that was the American dream. And so mm-hmm. when she's talking about American story, stories bef- burning before her, I kind of think that's what she was kind of thinking of. Yeah. And she told Rolling Stone, it's about the illusion of what I thought America was before a political landscape took this turn and that uh, naivety that we used to have about it and that's the american dream you know that's the naive naivety that people are coming for and it's yeah. that's ashley's words um and it's also the idea that people who live in america who just want to live their lives make a living have a family love who they love and watch those people they they're losing their rights or watch those people feel not at home in their home. So just kind of like, there's so much packed into this verse. Yeah. And she's feeling all hopeless. And she's seeing all these like boys, these men who <laughs> yeah. are acting like boys, you know, like, and, you know, where are the wise men? Yeah. And I like this too, because there is sort of like a, uh, a me too movement reference maybe, or just this idea of like the damsels are, the damsels are depressed and why it's because this boys will be boys line, which is an excuse we Mm. give men all the time. And Mm -hmm. in fact was used during the election when Trump was caught on tape, making that um, really disturbing statement. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's sort of like, Oh, and it's funny because we also call that locker room talk. And you can't have a song about high school without mentioning like this idea of locker room talk and how we just excuse bad behavior we allow sort of like bad behavior and now it's she's singing about like this idea that the damsels in distress like we've always waited for the good men to save us we've always waited for the wise men like the you know the white knights and she's sort of saying like oh wait we're realizing like we've put ourselves in this situation or you know society has dictated that women belong in a corner men are in charge but now the men have betrayed us and like this boys will be boys sentiment has has proven to be a weapon against like these women and against um just you know marginalized people and so 
I think it is like a very telling moment where Taylor Swift like realized like, oh wait, I can't trust these dudes to figure out like I like this is a very scary time (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. the election showed a lot of that sort of misogyny underplayed or just the sexism and the um yeah just like this the me too movement happening in tangent with that entire political scene was very interesting and I'm just thinking back about my theory of uh me and like all of like the little mm-hmm. different political statements that I was like, oh, all these different musicals mean all these different, um, you know, I think she's going to make a statement on, you know, me too. I think she's going to make a statement on this. And I'm just like, when we we're dissecting these songs, like I'm kind of like, cause it's not like a blatant statement out there. That's not what the song is about. Um, you know, cause there's different little meanings within it, but you, like we dissect this line right here where it's like, it's, she's making a statement about, you know, me too and about the boys will be boys and i'm like oh she's just the way her mind works and how she gets those statements across it's just amazing yeah because taylor should be president (laughs) yeah yeah um and then she goes into the pre-chorus chorus again um no cameras catch my muffled cries i counted days i counted miles to see you there to see you there and now the storm is coming um and I think this is interesting because the first chorus is sort of about her finding love. It's like, oh, I've waited a long time for something real and you showed up and I'm so glad. But here she's saying like, oh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you stayed. Um, But now there's a storm coming and we've got to figure it Mm -hmm. out. And so she goes into the chorus and sings uh, again. It's you and me. That's my whole world. They whisper in the hallway. She's a bad, bad girl. The whole school is rolling fake dice. You you play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. It's you and me. There's nothing like this. Miss Americana and the heartbreak prince. We're so sad. We paint the town blue. Voted most likely to run away with you. So this is sort of where I get confused. And I'm just like, so who is the heartbreak prince is it joe then why is it the heartbreak prince and if it's not joe then who is it is it just the idea of something like and it well well i kind of well if you listen to the crossover episode what i kind of got out of it too is uh, and this is like my first impression and mm-hmm. so I don't know if this goes anywhere but you know she ta- I think the heartbreak prince you probably have a more in-depth like analytical no. view of this, <laughs> but I'm like maybe the heartbreak prince is Joe, but part of it is that like it's heartbreaking for her to realize she needs to get it away from America, mm. and so like she's leaving with him. She's probably going to break a lot of hearts in in the states. You know that disillusionment of that American dream is heartbreaking because it's falling apart before her, and she's like, I need to get away. And she yeah. loves Joe, and like, of course, she'd probably be so happy with him, like here in America with her. But you know, a lot of people are saying that she's spending a lot of time overseas because right. she needs to get away from like how it's like, like the Tayanian says, the world is bur- burning down, <laughs> and so yeah. like it's, I don't know. That's my take on it. Yeah, I like that. I think a lot of people think it's Joe. Some people think it's Trump, which is very weird, and I don't agree. But I sort no, of because like she says there's nothing like this. You know, we're gonna run away together. Like I'm voting most likely to run away with you, right? Like I don't know. Maybe she's talking about how people put them in the same camp. <laughs> but I would. I don't think yeah, that don't she's think singing so. about Trump. Yeah. No. I, if anything, I sort of get the vibe that it might be maybe more metaphorical like yes i think joe Mm -hmm. is wrapped up in that but i also think it is sort of talking about her 
her baggage as this romantic um, singer who's sort of been infatuated with love, who's been focused on that in her career, who's been lost in the lights of these little romances, these little crushes, these little fantasies she gets to sing about. And now she's like carrying that with her still. She's a little jaded, but she has this Mm -hmm. real love, but she still has the, you know, the history of years that she was, naive she was shut off and now she's looking back and everything's a little bit like oh it wasn't that black and white like it wasn't that romantic like Mm -hmm. maybe I should have been thinking about bigger things as well than just like finding my true love but I don't know because then she goes into the bridge which is the go fight win chant Um, (laughs) and she sings I don't want you to go i don't go. really want to fight because nobody's gonna win i think you should come home and i don't want you to go i don't really want to fight because nobody's gonna win i think you should come home i don't want you to go i don't really want to fight because nobody's gonna win i just thought you should know and then in the final sort of anthem i'll never and i'll never let you go because i know this is a fight that someday we're gonna win and so i think that's sort of why i think maybe the you in the song and the heartbreak prince in the song is more like big picture. Cause I think she's sort of this chant is sort of like her disillusionment. She's like, I, I don't want to go. I just, I don't know. I just want to stay home, but there's something pulling her to come back and like deal with it. And she's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to let go of America. This is a fight. We're going to win it. Like, let's do the damn thing. Could it be a double meaning because, you know, like the first um, the first verse is about her second mm-hmm. verse is like kind of about America. Could it be like this double meaning, like a double because like we do know some stuff about Joe and her, how she was saying she wanted to go away. She wanted she was going to leave him. She packed her bags. She wasn't going to mm-hmm. say anything to him. But then he like fought for it. You know, mm-hmm. he like was like, no, let's like this. We're going to make this work. Like it could be that double meaning about you know, like, I don't want you to go because, like, someday you're going to get me through this, this fight that I did this, yes. like, this war that's going on with my, my, like, I'm being pulled in different directions between my country and, yeah. yeah, I'm patriotism. So I feel like it could have that double meaning, just like the two verses. And that's where I'm right. kind of like, she's amazing. She's kind of like pulling in both of the, the themes of those verses into this chorus. And you can take it, you know, I don't want to fight with you. I want to be with you. Let's go home. Let's make our relationship work. And also politically, we're going to fight. We're going to get through this. You know, come on, people. Let's make America the best that (laughs) it ever (laughs) could be at this time. I don't want to say that. Stop. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No. But it is is like a rallying cry. Like it is. And then the chorus is sort of like swelling. And then um, the post-chorus ends with, uh, again, it's you and me. That's my whole world. They whisper in the hallway, she's a bad, bad girl. She's a bad, bad girl. And I love that she ends on that because it's sort of like, yeah, you guys thought that I wasn't like into the, you thought I was your Aryan princess. You thought I was this Republican who hated gay people. And you've been saying bad stuff about me for so long that now I'm like back and I'm ready to fight and we're going to win. And I think it's like, it ends on this sort of hopeful note for her where she's like, I am Miss Americana and I'm coming back to take my rightful throne, basically. Mm -hmm. And I like how she goes, she's a bad, bad girl. I just love the way she says that too. (laughs) And on that note too, I'm like, 
Yeah. And then I think in her journal, she even had like, she wrote something about being like bad girls in the hallway or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny to like tie that in too. Yeah. I think she's just like, she's found her confidence enough that she's like, I want to sing a song about my struggle with my political world, but she makes it general enough that there is sort of this angstiness that a lot of people, especially in America can relate to, but just in general, this idea that, yeah, badman, fake dice, like we're all playing this really dumb game that no one's winning because we're all focused on, you know, whatever it is, our party, the boys will be boys, Mm -hmm. the, you know, damsel angle. And so I think, um, she does a good job of kind of giving this sort of 2019 angst ridden <laughs> yeah. anti-establishment kind of like chant. Everyone needs to come together. They need to hop in her cart and go to the mall and they can just yes. make a plan under the bleachers. Yes. I don't know. It's a very, it's a low key protest song, but I think it's like sort mm-hmm. of exactly, you know, oh, about 2020s signs for like when yeah. you go to like political <laughs> rallies. That's going to I I think a lot of people are going to pull from this song. It's yeah. going to be it's going to yeah. be great. We're going to uh, we have to w- people, you make the signs, I'm going to share them <laughs> if they do. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. We got some uh, maybe she'll release it as a single for the political party. <gasps> but we'll You've see. heard this here. <laughs> Shelby predicted it. Yeah. Such a podcast. <laughs> There you exactly. go. Exactly. I know, but it's a good song. It's an interesting song. I was reading different people's analysis of it. I feel like there's a lot that goes into it. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like it's purposely a little bit um, maybe vague, but also very on the nose. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was fun talking about it. And I think we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. So for sure, like, let us know what you think. Find us on um, Instagram at Swiftish Podcast, on Twitter at SwiftishPod13. Of course, you can leave us an email, SwiftishPodcast at gmail.com. Shoot we'll us read it a, on air. Yeah. <laughs> Any way you want to find us, go ahead. But I think next week we'll be taking a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. So luckily you have 21 episodes this season to catch up on, as well as our first season all about reputation. So until next time, I'm Shelby. And I'm Ashley. And Taylor, you know we adore you.